0: Hello and welcome to a Senate approved episode of Hollywood Shop Shop. We are your Cinemacanics Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. Today we'll be starting the first movie in our first annual Star Wars trilogy review leading up to May the 4th. We're going to the beginning, chronologically that is, with episode 1, The Phantom Menace. We'll jump into five point inspection with This Is Pod Racing, Representation of Taxation, Palpatine Preamble, Learning Stick, Casting Characters, and a special edition Sith point inspection with Duel of the Fates. But before we do, let's check in on the shop.
1: Damn, man, I'd, uh, I'd say the shop's grand reopening is a hit. Uh, I think this is like the busiest week I can remember us having. Uh, maybe we should bring in a third employee just to, you know, keep up.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, but it's not really a luxury we can afford right now.
1: What the hell are you talking about? Look out there. We've we got to be making money hand over fist.
0: Yeah, we're definitely grossing more, but because of the tax implications, we're actually netting way less.
1: Wait, tax implications?
0: Yeah, technically the fire damaged like 51% of the shop, and since we rebuilt, we no longer qualify for that historic building tax credit that we were getting.
1: What? Oh, that, that seems like a lot of red tape. Can we just you know take out a loan against future earnings what what about your guy val down at the bank
0: yeah probably not val got voted off the board feels like some kind of hostile takeover or something like that so i don't see us getting any break on the interest rate anytime soon
1: jesus i wish i wish i hadn't brought it up taxes interest rates corporate politics can we just focus on something a little more fun oh i've got a bad feeling about this uh what are we reviewing this week
0: Bad news, amigo. We're not quite done with the tax talk. Let's gear up and go ahead and review Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. A galactic conflict has escalated after negotiations between a trade federation and two peacekeeping space wizards known as Jedi fail before they can even begin. After being marooned on a desert planet, the two Jedi and the royal party they rescued find a human boy with unknown power whom they believe could be a prophecy and bring balance to the mystic force. Surely nothing can go wrong when you gamble on people's lives, ignore safeguards, or jump headfirst into a conflict that seems out of place for a group of cowards. <laughs> All right, Travis, before we jump into Sith Point inspection, can you tell me what was your quick diagnostic of Star Wars Episode One? A phantom menace. I was worried. The phantom menace.
1: <laughs> I was worried that I was going to be too negative on this movie, but your description there tells me we might be simpatico in this. But um I already fucked up my own bit. <clears throat> <coughs> just, just cut what I just <laughs> said, Brent. Let me just start with this.
0: Misa, oh so yeah, definitely it will not appear.
1: To, to yeah, do the it's working. Trilogy. It's working. We're gonna. We're gonna. Misa gonna review this movie and this voice? Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I just had to get that <laughs> out of the way. Uh, so I like to give background on, on where I was when I first saw the movie. And I'm sure, Brett, as a kid, episode one was high on your radar. Uh, I remember... Oh, yeah. The marketing of this movie in the in, in in the months leading up to it, you know, you had the trailer, you had the poster with Anakin, little Anakin with the shadow of Darth Vader. You had the Pepsi uh, cross promotion where you could get all the characters on a can and it just promoted you to buy Pepsi products for three months. Do you remember
0: the Yum Brands, KFC, Pizza Hut and Taco Bell? They had the custom toys and you had to go to all the places to get them.
1: No, in fact, I don't remember that. But to your point, the, the Pepsi marketing, they released character cans like once every two months to make sure that you were constantly buying Pepsi products. And you have to buy a 24-pack just to get a can. Um, but yeah, I was over-the-top excited for episode one when it came out. Uh, I even bought the soundtrack before it before the movie released. It came out like two weeks before. Mm-hmm. It had a massive plot spoiler. Basically, hey, if you, if you, I'm assuming you've watched this movie, you're listening to this, but the soundtrack is there's a track called Qui Gon's Noble End. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that he's not just going to retire and, and cash in his 401k. So I know Qui Gon's going to die in this movie, but uh, I was very excited for it as a kid. Uh, I tried to review it as, through a critical lens this time around and uh i didn't like it as a kid i I thought it was a little underwhelming this time around oh boy i've got some stuff to talk about what about you
0: so despite my opening i'm probably going to be a little lighter on this i this movie there's so much weird shit this is this is what i'll say uh as my diagnostic I appreciate that George Lucas tried to do something different with this rather than just rehashing his original trilogy like, I don't know, they did in the 2000s, uh, in the late 2000s. But the problem is George Lucas, to me, was always a Steve Jobs. Like, he was a visionary, but he needed people to reel him in when he started to go completely off the fucking walls. And the problem was in... I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we get to Revenge of the Sith cuz you know we're junkies for special features and at that time I mean we bought Revenge of the Sith and just watched the special features together. Um but you could see that like George Lucas everybody who was working for him were so heavily influenced by the original trilogy because of how long it had been since the original trilogy and this came out that it was, he was working with nothing but fanboys, so no one wanted to tell him, Hey, George, I think that's kind of a bad idea, or that's not going to work. And you can tell in this movie, because I think there's a lot of kind of cool stuff going on in it. Um, I also think that there's a lot of really fucking weird shit. And what I've actually heard is that there is a six-hour cut of this movie that basically fixes everything that people—well, not everything, because Jar Jar's still in it— um but fixes a lot of the problems with this movie but the problem is like no no one's ever seen that there's been like a handful of people that have seen the six-hour cut and if that's the case he basically shot lord of the rings and then <laughs> tried to cut it into a two-hour movie
1: there's a six-hour cut of this
0: and doing a little bit of research from the yes apparently there is one of the original cuts of this movie was actually six hours long. And then, which again would make sense if you have a six hour movie and you're like, this fucking rocks. And you're like, okay, we're going to cut four hours out of it. You're going to have some problems. Like there's no way you keep a six hour story intact when you take two thirds of it out.
1: So I, this, this kind of naturally leads into one of my five points, the, the Palpatine preamble. Uh, there's kind Mm -hmm. of two parts to this, but what you're touching on is interesting to me because you're saying there's a six-hour cut of this movie. Basically, there's a whole trilogy filmed for just episode Mm -hmm. one. My my biggest problem with this movie, and I I can't put myself in the shoes of I haven't seen episode two or episode three because I have, but Mm -hmm. especially knowing what goes on in two and three, it feels like this movie in conjunction with episode two, should be one movie. It should be the first part of a trilogy. And then episode three should be expanded into two different movies because you're saying there's a six-hour cut of this movie, but when I look at what actually happens in this movie, what really happens? There's a a planetary dispute about a, a blockade, and, and I'll get into that in the taxation point, but... Jedis are getting involved in this dispute and we just basically start on Naboo, go to Tatooine, and go back to Naboo. It doesn't feel like... And, and then you have to extend the runtime with the pod race, which is just a a way to sell toys in a video game to me. Mm-hmm. It might be well executed, but it doesn't feel like this is worth an entire movie, especially if it's the trilogy telling you how Darth Vader became well, Darth Vader.
0: So, And that's the problem, is I think... George Lucas didn't want to just make a trilogy about how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. He decided he wanted to explain how the Empire was able to take over, and it became kind of a political thing. Like, you know, a lot. I think at that time, um, in '99, now I don't even know because in '99 Clinton would have still been president. It was before Bush took over, so I don't even think that there was any, even a lot of shots at anything, you know, political climate that was going on. But um, the problem is. To me, one of the biggest things that this movie did to the Star Wars universe as a whole, again, because we're going to bleed into other stuff, is you talk about in A New Hope, you're introduced to the Galactic Empire. And then the Phantom Menace basically establishes like, oh, yeah, it was a Galactic Empire and it lasted like 20 years. You're like, oh, I thought the Empire was way more organized than that. Like it fell apart pretty damn quick. Like, it wasn't like you think of the Ottoman Empire or, like, you know, a Roman Empire that lasted hundreds of years. It's like, oh, no, this Empire, like, it was very short-lived. And, like, I think the movie would have been more successful if it had been a just a focus on Darth Vader. Because, really, the whole Empire stuff should have been more of a prequel, like, when you're talking about the Jedi Order falling. And, like, I think George Lucas was just trying to cram too much lore Into one period of time, like the Jedi falling and the Empire rising, would have been a cool trilogy in of itself outside of the Anakin or the Skywalker saga, right? Have that happen hundreds of years in the past, and then Anakin becoming Darth Vader is like again, you maybe have a subset of of Jedi or something. It just it would make more sense if that was the case. The or if the Empire was maybe wasn't always, quote-unquote, evil, and then Palpatine takes it all. Who knows what happens? Like, There's just too much happening in this movie is the problem.
1: Well, you're bringing up... You know, it's impossible for most people to go into Episode One and it truly be their introduction to Star Wars. I mean, there's a reason that the Jedis are not... Ex- you just open up with these guys with laser swords, you know, throwing robots around. So it's presumed that you know who the Jedi are and you have the previous knowledge of the original trilogy.
0: So, yeah. And even if you don't, the most apparent scene where George Lucas just assumes that you do is when Qui-Gon is doing Jedi mind tricks on Boss Nass. And I'm just like, if you know nothing about Star Wars, you have no idea what is happening right now. Why Boss Nass is just, just saying like, yeah, sure. Whatever I just said, I'm doing the exact opposite because you told me like, it makes no sense in the context if you do not have the original trilogy
1: already watched. Which, again, we know that for the great majority of people, they they know about the original trilogy. They've probably seen it, in, in case of you and me reviewing this movie, we've seen the original trilogy at least a couple of times. So then, the whole... The whole Palpatine being the Phantom Menace working behind the scenes. I like that as a as political intrigue. You know, he's pretending like he's a champion of Naboo when really he's using Naboo as leverage to make himself elevate. To the the Supreme Chancellor Mm -hmm. role, which right that in of itself, I mean, especially in today's climate. Masterstroke by George Lucas. But again, we we already know who Palpatine is. Like, is is the here's my question, Brett. Is the movie ever trying to hide that Palpatine is the guy pulling the strings?
0: So the funny thing is, watching this as a kid, my always thought was like, clearly we know Palpatine is gonna wind up being the Emperor. Like, why are they trying to hide that? As an adult, no. They're very they're not trying to hide it at all. Like you should know oh, Senator Palpatine will become Emperor Palpatine, and he's kind of a dick, right? Like, some of his little smirks and, and you know, things he like, especially the, the end of the movie where Yoda goes, there's always a master, you know, there's always two, an apprentice and a master, and as he says that, you've got, you know, Palpatine in the front of the scene with just this shit-eating grin on his face. You're like, okay, like, they're very clear, like, you know... Like, if you're watching these in, con- or what is it, chronological order, like... Even then you should know something's going on. And like they make it pretty clear that he is some ill intent. And that he's they don't try to, his face, it's not like the whole Batman thing. Like you you know who he is under the rope. Like you can shine out of his eyes, but we know who he is.
1: Yeah, and it's just a weird again, I like the political intrigue of this movie. Certainly you brought up the, the sequel trilogy already. Lucas goes for something that's not just a retread but then you intersperse it with this is clearly aimed at children and we clearly have to sell toys that doesn't allow for the political intrigue to do enough in this movie to justify that the whole two hour and 15 minute plot is just to bust up what we know is just the first chess move that Palpatine is making on the board. Does that does that make sense? It's kind of anticlimactic. I know a prequel is always going to be that, but my the thing is, this in
0: today's how we consume media, I feel like Episode One would have actually been a series of shorts. Almost like what they did with Blade Runner 2049, where they had a couple, a series of shorts that kind of explained what was going on. Episode one should have technically, like you were saying, been episode two. Because there's also that we think, again, we know what, what comes up. Episode two is a major time jump into the future of what's going on with Anakin Skywalker. So, like, when they decide to start him off in his pet, like, we are introduced to him as a kid, and the next time we meet him is he's an angsty teenager, or like, or a young adult, and you're like, at this point if george lucas knew this is where it was going like episode one should not have been where you started this we should have just started with anakin as an angsty adult and had a couple flashbacks that explained that he met you know uh padme earlier and all that as opposed to let's show how they introduced and then do a gigantic time jump because there's a lot that happens in between there that i feel like is also interesting stuff that misses like We won't get it because we know that we're reviewing that next, so I'm not going to jump into it. We'll talk about it next time, but there's a lot that happens between those two movies that you just have to kind of take for granted as to how it happened.
1: Yes. And yet we waste runtime on, you know, the pod race, which. So I, I
0: will say this, let's go ahead and jump into this is pod racing. Um, because obviously we're going to talk about this because it is a huge chunk of the movie. Um, I going back and watching it. I don't know how long it's been. I know I've watched the entire trilogy within like the last 10 years. I I know I have. There's definitely stuff in this movie that I didn't notice. Uh I was watching it with Kate <laughs> And there were three scenes that came up that I was like, that wasn't in the original theatrical version. She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm telling you, that five seconds that just showed up on the screen, that was not in the— I do not have any recollection of that happening in the original movie. So I actually went and did some research on that, too. And apparently when they released the DVDs, there is an additional three minutes of runtime where they restored— I don't know if you know something like— when they first land in Coruscant, they get in an air taxi, and Jar Jar says something. I'm like, that wasn't in the original movie. That was not in the original cut. Uh, during the pod race, the second lap, there is an extended... There's a couple like, extra scenes added in that that I knew were not in the original theatrical release. And then there's something about a grid sequence, which I don't entirely know what that is. But I, I was able to pick out the scenes that were not... My thing is the reason I'm bringing this up is apparently they were in the DVD version and I don't remember them in the DVD version. So that's how much the theatrical version was ingrained in my head. Is so I was able to pick out those scenes almost immediately as not being in when I watched it in the theaters. Uh,
1: I didn't notice those particular ones, but I definitely noticed the fact that they replaced Puppet Yoda with CGI Yoda. Yes, that was clear. <laughs> apparently,
0: as day. they did that when they re-released these on Blu-ray. They they fixed puppet Yoda because that was the other thing I told him like oh yeah this is definitely different than the original version because the original one had puppet Yoda and everybody bitched about it so they brought they brought CG Yoda into uh, Attack of the Clones but reason I bring up pod racing is they make a couple comments that I never caught before Qui Gon makes a. A comment about how, oh, Anakin must have force sensitivity if he's able to race pod or do pod racing because I guess that's something that humans can't do. Like they don't have the reflexes for it. Which if I'm completely honest, I have in my notes, I'm like, then why the fuck does the Rebellion only have human pilots? Like we've now established that aliens are fa- have, have faster reflexes. Why are only humans the pilots? Because it feels like that's a huge, <laughs> huge like mistake later in later the rebellion and even the empire only using humans as pilots but that's just a little aside uh the pod racing i actually didn't hate the pod racing it is also one of those where it was half cocked like you know it it takes a lot of inspiration from nascar but the thing about nascar is they have what 60 80 100 laps pod racing apparently has two three i don't understand throw i'm sorry sorry, three and it's this fast sport i'm like it takes more time to walk from the parking lot to the stands than it does to actually watch the race like it just doesn't make any sense to me the idea that the pod racing happens that quickly and it's this this beautiful sport that everybody loves uh yeah just that and at one point i think during the second lap one of the pod racers he uh he goes to a pit crew and i'm like they will. This will be done before you're done pitting. Like, I don't understand what a pit crew is for in a pod race. And the last thing I'll say that I think is funny about the pod racing is when Anakin, and this is just a, me nitpicking, like, little stupid shit that um, wasn't thought through. But, like, when he, Anakin has a rough start, right? Uh, he has a, a, I guess, false start where his, his vehicle doesn't start. So the announcers go like, ooh, it's going to be real hard for Anakin to catch up with the leaders, and it's like he does in 30 seconds. I'm like, it was not difficult at all for him to catch up with the leaders. So I'm like, I don't understand. Are we really trying to establish that Anakin is that great of a pilot and that great of a builder that, you know, Again, he – oh, no one else would be able to catch up, but Anakin in his homemade speeder and his force sensitivity was able to get all the way up and actually win the race.
1: I was going to say, it's it's a piece of shit behind his house like five mm -hmm. minutes before he races it. So it's like – it's not like he's a super talented driver in the best pod that you could possibly race. It's literally scraps that he's put together –
0: yeah, because he's never finished a race before they show up. They make they make a point to to say that too, and the whole reason I'm bringing this whole thing up is because essentially what the pod racing was supposed to do was establish his I guess power, force sensitivity, and I get, the way you're saying in a way that sells toys. I was gonna say because it's, it's there shows, to
1: sell toys and then yeah yeah. It,
0: so so that's what the whole the whole pod racing scene is just in a in an opportunity to. Express how good Anakin is because of his force sensitivity while also peddling merchandise to children.
1: And Brett, I'll say also that the, the pod race exists because if you take the pod race out, this is a pretty boring fucking movie. Yeah. Like, I realize yeah, that I'm just waiting for the Darth Maul fight at the end. That's. Mm-hmm. As a kid, the reason that I held this movie up as being pretty damn good was just because I walked out of the theater off of that Darth Maul fight.
0: And you know what? Again, not to put, uh, to tease, that's the same thing that happens with the clone, Attack of the Clones. Everyone loves that movie because they only Who remember the last 20 movie? minutes of
1: it. Who loves that movie? I,
0: there, there are people that think that's the best movie in, in the prequel trilogy. And again, it is because they only remember the last 20 minutes in the battle scene at Genosa. The
1: battle? Uh, but, yeah, yeah, let's not even... Uh, again, I'll say next, week, that, yeah. next week.
0: That's next week. That's next week's. So, yes. And to your point, this movie's more... We have the action sequence at the beginning. We have a little... A taste of action when they're saving Amadala. And then we have what should have been a pretty cool fight scene between Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn on Tatooine, but they decided to cut that super short because that would have been an awesome battle if they're fighting there. Then Qui-Gon jumps up. Yeah. Yeah, then Qui-Gon jumps up, and then it's a rematch once they get to Naboo. But instead, like, it's just a kind of a toot, toot, toot. And again, I don't know if this is they're trying to then establish how strong darth maul is because oh qui-gon he was so exhausted fighting darth maul by himself it's gonna take two jedi to fight darth maul but at the end of the day it's all it's so the pace I, i'm just gonna jump into another five point yeah yeah point I, this here. is a perfect transition
1: Le- for learning stuff
0: learning stick so everybody knows if you've listened before i like to kind of hide what i want to talk about in my thing so learning stick is not about lightsaber battles it's actually about the pacing of this movie because to me the pacing of this movie um is like learning stick shift a manual vehicle for the first time where it is just clunky going you know you're constantly stopping and going. You're trying to find the right gear to get into. Once you do, you start getting into a right, a good pace. But then if you have to slow down or speed up again, if this is the first time you're doing it, it's, it's very clunky, right? So to me, the whole movie can be summed up in terms of pacing is learning to drive stick for the first time. Travis, I don't know if you feel the same.
1: Uh, Well, you can cut this part out, but do you know who taught me to drive stick? Andrew Pabone. Andrew motherfucking Pabone.
0: <laughs> Friend of the show, Andrew.
1: Yep. Friend of the show, Andrew. And you know what? I'll give credit to my teacher, Andrew. I was his Padawan. I I, I did not stumble through the gears. I mean, maybe we can mm. we can ask him if there's a project that we collaborate on in the future, but I, I feel like I I picked it up pretty instinctually. Instinctually? You know what I'm saying. I guess my Metaclorean count was high when it comes to driving stick. Mm-hmm. And I had a great teacher. But he,
0: and I feel like a lot of people out uh, there listening probably have not had that experience, but you've seen movies, you've seen TV shows yeah, where course. someone is supposed to be learning sticks. So that is, you know, that that is essentially the imagery that came to mind as I'm watching this movie. No,
1: and it's perfect because I know exactly what you mean because as I was watching the movie, it starts off really slow. And at a certain point at the pod race, I'm like, I feel like we've got it in third gear now. Like, okay, momentum is picking up. And then just as soon as I feel that way, we're going to have Anakin talking about, are you an angel? And <laughs> shit like that. See,
0: see, cause my interpretation was actually, they gun it at the beginning of this movie. Like they go full throttle. And then with as much as they're trying to shove into the movie, we have in the first, what, 20 minutes of the movie, I think, or so we have, we have, the introduction of the Jedi, they are try they try to kill them. They wind up on the planet the of Naboo. They meet Jar Jar. They wind up in the Gungan city. They meet Boss Nass. They take a Bongo to Thee to see the Queen. Uh, they save the Queen. We introduce R two D two at this point. Apparently, he was a Naboo Nabooian uh, R two Astromech, um, and they escape through all that. We've also introduced Lord Sidious already. Like, all of the shit that we introduced in the first 20 minutes, I'm like, holy crap. What is, there is so much to unpack from the first 20. And then as soon as we hit Tatooine, it's like, er! <laughs> hit the brakes or you stumble into another gear because the movie just, it slows down so much. And you're just like, oh my God. And it is a drag until we get to the pod race. See,
1: yeah, I think we're we're speaking to, you know, how the movie's pace is in different ways Mm -hmm. yes i will agree the first 20 minutes of the movie it's a data dump as far as what's going on i mean the opening crawl and i'll 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 touch on it more in in the taxation article but it starts with hey this is about a trade route and and blockades Mm -hmm. and like you said there's so much introduced in the first 20 minutes but i'm thinking about when i watch a star wars movie i don't watch it so much for the plot i watch it for visuals i watch it for heart-pounding kind of action. I, again, I I had no emotional response to anything up until the pod race. Like, even the opening, you know, them force-pushing droids and, and fighting destroyer droids, I didn't think any of that action was well done at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for the first 45 minutes of the movie, I'm just kind of waiting around. And then it kicks it into high gear it- with the pod, the pod racing and then immediately backs it back down.
0: And we'll you we'll say you don't watch the Star Wars for the for the plot and all that, but the original trilogy was fantastic. I mean, there is so much subtlety to the original trilogy. When the first time uh, Grand Moff Tarkin enters the scene, and it's a group of Imperial um, like captains or officers talking, and he immediately comes in and says, "Hey, don't worry, the Emperor has dismantled the Senate." Um, and then they're like, oh, how are, how are we going to keep control like on all of that? And he goes, oh, that's what the Death Star is for. Like, we have this battle station. Anybody who decides they're going to dispute it, we'll just literally blow them up. And, like, And It's much more eloquently put. And, like, It's almost, to the degree, it's a throwaway line. But it adds so much depth to that world and what's going on without being so direct. And that's the problem with The Phantom Menace is everything is in your face. Like, they have to explain it to you. Because, again, it doesn't make... Because we're talking about taxation and no one gives a shit about it. Like, I understand an empire and, a you know, the Senate and politics to to, to a degree to the, like, oh, there's a Senate. They've decided to dismantle that. Don't worry about it. The You know, the final pieces of the Republic are finally gone. The empire is in its full glory now. Like, I get all of that. It's pretty basic to understand that. <laughs> and that's why I always love when, like, Star Wars is for kids. Right. And that's why we introduced tax routes. Yeah! Like, it's it's not, okay? The Phantom Menace was not intended for children. What was intended for children was Jar Jar Binks and toys. Like, but the, for the movie, George Lucas was not trying to make a kid's movie when he made The Phantom Menace. He wasn't.
1: You say that, but ultimately George Lucas was the judge, jury, and executioner of this trilogy. Like, mm-hmm. you pointed it out. He desperately needed somebody to come in and put an arm around it and be like, George let let's rein it in a little bit. I've got some notes. So it's a hundred percent on George Lucas. He kind of feels like he's trying to serve two masters. And I found out that he was a father of young children at this time. They even have cameos Mm -hmm. in the movie. So I can see why he's trying to make a kid friendly movie. You know, that and the fact that, yeah, you'll boost the box office by quite a bit. If you can make it family friendly. Um, but he pulled a Rodriguez. He's 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 trying spike to Yeah, he's trying to serve two masters here. And can I get into the taxation representation? It because you mentioned it. Can I, can I please ask you a question, Brett?
0: Let's do it. Let's let's get into some taxation.
1: So I did a little bit of research about how many planets are in the Star Wars universe canon. Oh. Here's what I found, Brett. It's it's about 111.
0: Is this pre or post-Disney canon?
1: Well, here you go. I'm glad you asked, Brett, because if you add <laughs> the expanded universe, you could add 34 additional planets to that. So we're talking about 150 planets, roughly. But then in this movie, the Galactic Senate... It, it appears to be that there's about a thousand representatives from various locations. Mm-hmm. I
0: Well here's the thing. We you can't assume that each each planet only has one. All right. Maybe maybe, you know, because if if you had maybe like if we were part of it, maybe you would have seven for like seven continents. Like maybe it would be like like maybe I again I'm trying to create excuses to why He wanted that as a visual, but didn't have the universe to back it up. I'll go
1: (laughs) further, Brett. Okay, so I'm glad you agree. Potentially, there's like a thousand Mm -hmm. different Senate delegations. there's a bunch. Why is no Naboo so fucking important that we have... So one planet of the 1,500 planets has a blockade on it. We need to send two, or I guess, I don't know if... Obi-Wan is technically a Jedi Knight in this movie. I don't I don't know the ranks. Maybe you can fill me in. But
0: No, he he is not because that's the test that Qui-Gon says that he should be allowed to take his test to
1: become a knight. So we have one Jedi Knight and one Padawan. Padawan. That's dedicated to this one planet's trade dispute. They get sent in to handle that. So
0: Travis, the Jedi are the peacekeepers of the galaxy.
1: So, how many Jedi are there, Brett?
0: I don't know. There's a can, temple. If you all can right. send
1: two of them <laughs> to work on a trade dispute for one planet of fifteen hundred,
0: listen. the The negotiations are supposed to be short. Okay, trade. The trade people are known as cowards.
1: Okay, and then Brett. Okay, and then you send these two Jedi's, which I I assume is a an important position in the Galactic Republic and mm-hmm. they're just going to murder them both and then just be like, "Ah, yeah, they never showed up. They never showed up for the negotiations. Case closed." Mm-hmm. Like what? What the fuck?
0: Well, I also like the implication that the Jedi were brought to strong arm the tra- Trade Federation. Like, because the Queen calls up, and is like, um, "I know two Jedi showed up, and this is gonna be done right now." Because you know the the Supreme Chancellor Valor, he's he sent two Jedi to take care of this. I'm like, it doesn't. That seems kind of like an abuse of power. If you're just like, "I'm gonna send two Jedi, and we're gonna wrap this up real quick," and guess who's gonna be the loser? <laughs> the Trade Federation.
1: Ultimately, I, I just wonder, was, was George Lucas trying to subvert the Jedi? Because if he wasn't, I'm like, they just... The Jedi seem like the the authoritarian arm of the Galactic Republic, which seems to go against everything the Jedi are supposed to be.
0: Well, Annette, if you start getting into extended universe, allow me to show my nerd. All right, let me put my glasses up a little higher on my brow here. Um, That is part of what they go into some of the extended universe is basically that the Jedi were trying to fight the Sith in the old way where they just tried to amass an army as opposed to – and then their arrogance – Essentially allows them to kind of become that, where they just become generals in an army rather than actually being peacekeepers like they were supposed to be. Like they're supposed, you know, they're a, a religion about balance, and they wind up straying away from that. And that's how Palpatine is able to splinter them and basically eradicate them is because, to your point, they they were no they no longer represented what they were supposed to.
1: Yeah, and it seems weird that in the very first movie of this this franchise allegedly you know it's episode one they already seem to be completely ass backwards like they're interviewing Anakin like yeah hey, you miss your mother like yeah he's he's fucking 10 years old and he just left his mother he misses his mother I just don't understand the depiction of the Jedi in this movie
0: well again allowing me to show my nerd apparently an extended universe Canon. A lot of that has to do with Yoda, and that the Jedi weren't always as rigid. And Yoda basically came in and decided that the Jedi had to be rigid in order to, you know, hold on to their ways. So a lot of the Jedi kind of losing their way is because of of Grand Master Yoda and his his rigidness with the which with is the religion.
1: That's weird to me. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan well, again, of Star Wars <laughs> to the degree you are, but you're telling me that basically Yoda is a fuck up?
0: Yeah, that, that Yoda basically doomed the Jedi by yeah, what his practice. What it all comes back to, Travis, is yeah, they now have these this movie that is officially canon to a story. And they're now trying to, found, okay, other people are now coming in and trying to figure out how can we fix this? Okay, what if we make it to where the Jedi weren't always like this? Well, who would have changed the Jedi? Well, it has to be somebody who's been around for a while. It's got to be Yoda. Everybody knows Yoda.
1: So you're saying, though, when this movie came out in 1999, that none of this shit George Lucas had no, idea what,
0: no, George Lucas had no idea what the fuck he was doing. No.
1: That's, that's weird to me. That, that, that It's his mm-hmm. creation, and yet he has... And I guess, in a way...
0: But it goes back to that six-hour cut. Is there a six-hour cut of this movie where everything makes sense? Because that's you've now multiplied this movie by three. There's a lot more information, and you can get into why decisions are being made, as opposed to having to take them at face value. Like Amadala, which seems like with absolutely no... like. Palpatine doesn't even goad her into deciding that she has to go back to Naboo to fight for her people. It's just, she decides to do it. Like, he actually tries no to sense. talk her out of it, even if it's <laughs> yeah. it's
1: kind of a, a platitude. And, yeah. well, and then he has the shitting
0: grin like he did mean for her to go. And I'm like, you never had a conversation that would imply that she needed to be back on the ground. Like, I assume he hoped that she was killed by the Separatists. So... I, she complicated the shit out of the next two movies for him
1: yeah so I guess should we jump into cast and character just to hit on characters yeah
0: yeah. so there's there's two characters I think and we're gonna shit on more than anybody um, you already who
1: the
0: fuck is Jake Lloyd
1: little Anakin oh yes
0: okay I don't even know the actor's name because that's how little I care about him because of how shitty job he did. this is a time where you could have got you surely this is uh haley Joel Osment was around at this time wasn't he yeah he the been about the age was of 99, yeah yeah you could have fucking had haley Joel Osment for that role and
1: instead you went with that little fucking idiot. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to, because I know a little bit of the backstory uh, researching this movie, I'm not going to shit on Jake Lloyd. He, okay. He, he's had a shitty life because people constantly give him shit about this performance, and justifiably so. But you know what? That's not Jake Lloyd's fault. That's George Lucas's fault. You could have mm-hmm. literally, cat, like you said, Haley Joel Osment is... He'd already been in Forrest Gump at this point. So he's a known actor. He's got a reel out there. You could cast Mm -hmm. anybody. They apparently did an international casting call with like thousands of kids. And you pick this kid, Jake Lloyd. He can't. He he either can't act or you just like in my head, I'm just hearing. Yippee. Like there are multiple times where he's just (laughs) Like, like, yippee.
0: Hey, my favorite my favorite times to impersonate him are it's working, it's working because it's fucking stupid. And it doesn't work for the audience because the next one is a visual where he's just it's him in the pod racing with the goggles on with that like that weird like uh the that's emoji his best where performance. it's just
1: That's his best yeah. performance of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's just like uh gritting his teeth. It's like, "Oh no." I'm like, "Oh my god. That's that's what I remember." Mhm. That and... I carved it out of a piece of just a poor snippet.
1: <laughs> and I mean, again, to your point, we don't need this movie. We don't need to have a full movie where Anakin is 10 years old.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you can minimize a child actor in the sense that, yeah, he'll he'll just appear in flashbacks. And then this movie, I've, I literally can't think of another movie that puts... It puts Jake Lloyd on the same screen as Jar Jar Binks. So you have two of the most annoying characters to ever be on on film in this movie, in in the build-up to what, what creates Darth Vader. And you have Jar Jar Binks, the clumsy—he's so clumsy that he was exiled from his people. Mm-hmm. And he shares yeah. the screen with Jake Lloyd for good stretches of this movie.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't. It goes back to George Lucas created a Star Wars movie, and at a certain point, the studio's like, this is, a, I, we need to be able to market this to kids. And it's, so we insert Jar Jar Binks. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I have heard rumors that George Lucas's favorite character is Jar Jar Binks, and all I can under- think of is that because he identifies with him as being a misunderstood like character. But i just sort of say like Jar Jar is, he's so fucking annoying in this entire movie and he's not funny. It's not even like there's good slapstick. It's just, it is the lowest form of comedy that you're hoping to get a laugh out of.
1: He steps in some sort of animal shit. And then he also gets farted like a a Mm -hmm. a camel farts in his face. That's the kind of humor that Jar Jar brings, brings to this movie.
0: He, he sticks his tongue or gets his head in a, uh, a coupling that he was warned about. And then his tongue goes numb. And then it's the essential, his hands in the pickle jar and he can't somehow get his hand out of the engine, even though they're about to start out of the pot. And then Padme has to come over and actually pull his hand out.
1: Makes no sense whatsoever. And, and you know what? The problem is Brett, that if those were his only two scenes, like if he had 15 minutes of screen time, it would be fine. But he is in the majority of this movie. Like, even the early Jedi action scenes, he's kind of in the background being clumsy and stupid. So it's like...
0: Well, even, even to that point, Travis, when you actually get to the battle scene, where it's the Gungans and the du- Nabooians, what's left of their forces, are against the, <laughs> the droid army... He's a general. He's a major part of that battle, and I don't mean because they make him a general. I mean they decide to focus on his involvement in that battle, which means the whole battle is a
1: joke. The whole the whole battle becomes a joke. The whole battle is a joke, and it also it's stupid because you're like, hey, this invading force that has taken over Naboo can be defeated by a clumsy uh, gungan by the name of Jar Jar Binks. So yeah, it just completely not to get too far ahead, because we'll talk about it in the, uh, you know, the lightsaber battle section, but the best part of this movie is intercut with those stupid scenes of him clumsily winning a battle. Yeah. I mean,
0: the only thing could be maybe worse is if like somehow you have a galactic empire, like some super force and all of their best army gets defeated by teddy bears or something like that. Like that's almost as crazy as that concept. <laughs> so yeah i guess yeah at at least the gungans didn't win technically
1: it's only because that ship got blown up blown up by anakin just accidentally you know fucking now
0: this is pod racing
1: oh my fucking god And, and so many fucking naboo pilots are killed just trying to get out into the battle, and yet a fucking nine-year-old on autopilot Mm -hmm. is able to get out into space. It's like, how shitty were Naboo's pilots that they couldn't get out into the fight? Like, ugh.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's, so that was us shitting on the two characters we clearly did not like in this movie. I do want to say, Qui-Gon Jinn was fantastic. I do, it is sad that he was killed off because it would have been interesting to see Liam Neeson is almost the anti-Jedi, which I know gets brought up in the next movie. Um, But like, he uses the force to do some real fucking shady shit. He essentially steals a ship from a group of natives. Um, He bets for the life of a slave and then changes the result to make sure that it's what he wants it to be. He tries to steal the parts from Watto, but Watto's species apparently is immune to Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> Qui Gon is not your Quintus like for for Obi Wan to be like. If you just listen to him, you'd be on the council. I'm like that'd be kind of a dark member on the council. Like if they're gonna let like Qui Gon is not against using the Force for his own
1: benefit. But I mean, I respect the movie and the storytelling because that's the exact reason that he's not on the council. Uh, Yeah,
0: which is why I would love to have seen more Qui-Gon, which is, like again, he's kind of like the, yeah, I'm Force-sensitive, I know all these powers. With great power comes some responsibility is essentially his motto. Well, and
1: to your point, Brett, (laughs) I think, again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in the trilogy, but it would make a lot more sense if Qui-Gon was the master to Anakin and Anakin just Mm -hmm. kind of extends the, hey you know, personal gain can be, yeah, it just makes a lot more sense. The end
0: justifies the means is essentially Qui-Gon's response to everything. It's not about the good or bad. It's like the end justifies the means. If I can get the queen to Coruscant, guess what? I'm going to rob you. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Yeah. And that would, again, that would make a lot more sense as to how Anakin turns out. Um, But if we're talking about characters, Brett, you're talking about you wish that Qui-Gon hadn't been killed Why kill Darth Maul in this movie?
0: (laughs) Extended universe, he's not dead.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, the fact that I I have not watched any of the cartoons, the extended universe, I've not watched any of that. I do know that they brought Darth Maul back with robot legs, which tells you that that was such a compelling character that Mm -hmm. they had to find a way to bring him back. With (laughs) one line. With one line. But...
0: Oh, and they do... The Extended Universe does him such justice He becomes such a fantastic character in the Extended Universe. Did you hear the... Th- George Lucas is full shit, and I will... T- anybody, I will not defend George Lucas, but he killed that character and intended for him to be dead. And then people did cool shit with him, and then George Lucas wanted to take credit because apparently his, his idea for the sequel trilogy, all right, was that Darth Maul would come back and own crime syndicates, and it essentially would have been Princess Leia having to defeat Darth Maul in all of the crime syndicates um, in the sequel trilogy. And it's like, no, you never thought of that. Like, that was never your original intention. Like, oh, I'm gonna slice this guy in half, and then in another 20 years, I'm gonna make a sequel trilogy where I bring him back. Like, you're full of shit. Like, other people, like... Brought that character back to life and made him something that was actually really cool and interesting. And then you're like, Yeah, I was going to do that too. I thought I was going to go ahead and I was going to bring him back and he was going to be the main villain of the sequel trilogy. But, you yeah, know, I couldn't do that because Disney didn't let me. Like, you're full of shit. You're so full of shit.
1: I mean, even if you remove what was done with Darth Ball's character later, just even in the sense of this trilogy, Number one, it shows the Sith as very powerful. Darth Maul Mm -hmm. kills Qui-Gon and maybe he battles Obi-Wan, but somehow escapes because, I mean, we've seen that already in this trilogy. Well, not this trilogy, but this franchise. Luke gets his fucking hand cut off, but still can escape that battle to fight another day. Mm -hmm. You should have had Darth Maul survive that fight. He kills Qui-Gon, he battles Obi-Wan, and then somehow he escapes that way, by episode two, you have something else for Obi Wan to do. Like I, it, and again, it undercuts the power of Darth Maul. Bec- hmm. Let's get into it, Brett. I don't want to spoil the third the third movie in this trilogy, but is the high ground worthy, or is it not? Does the high ground win you the fight, or does it not? Because Darth Maul has the fucking high ground. Why does he fucking die in this movie if you're going to... To your point, George Lucas didn't think any of this shit out. If you're going to have that death of Darth Maul, you can't do what you do in episode three. Mm -hmm. Just have Darth Maul walk away from that fight and then he can be a recurring villain. It can be Obi-Wan's quest to avenge Mm Qui-Gon. It's so fucking stupid.
0: What might be the reason and I didn't think about this right now, is because technically Jedi aren't supposed to have feelings of revenge. So if, if George Lucas had left that door open, he would then have had to figure figured out why Obi-Wan Kenobi was allowed to be vengeful and a Jedi.
1: Well, that almost sounds like a compelling storyline for a movie, Brett. <laughs> so yeah, I can see why George <laughs> Lucas was like, no, we got to close that door, kill Darth Maul. Hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll just have him get really angry this time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll
0: get over it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why the Jedi shit is so stupid, Brett, because it, it's impossible not to think that, hey, my my teacher, the person I care about, I guess I, I shouldn't care about because I'm not supposed to, but he gets killed right in front of me, and I scream, no, in anger, and then come out like a fucking bat out of hell to kill Darth Maul. <laughs> seems like he was harnessing the quote-unquote dark side there
0: uh that's some of the theories is that's how he was able to defeat maul is that he had to kind of harness the dark side a little bit um but i think that does bring us into our final our special edition sith point of inspection with duel of the fates so i think with every episode of this trilogy we're gonna add a sith point of inspection and it's probably gonna go and talk about the lightsaber battles because we figure that's all of them have pretty significant battles or worth talking about. So this is actually, if you are watching the movies in the order that they are released, this is the first like real choreographed lightsaber battles because episode one doesn't have really anything at all. Or sorry, episode four. A New Hope doesn't really have anything. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, it's, there's not a lot of like a sparring it's just kind of a slow like them kind of pursuing each other there's not a lot of actual lightsaber battle and then in return of the jedi if i'm not mistaken it's a lot of just kind of like flailing it's it's not really choreographed so much whereas this is the first movie where like they have actually very choreographed elegant lightsaber battles
1: yeah and i heard the explanation as far as what they were trying to do in the this 1977 original trilogy is to give a sense that the lightsabers were heavy, like they were long swords in Mm -hmm. medieval times. And that's why the combat is so slow. Whereas I mean, in the prequel trilogy, it's, it's night and day comparing the lightsaber fights in the prequel trilogy Mm -hmm. to the original trilogy. Yeah. Uh, But in terms of this particular fight,
0: and again we we have
1: to just acknowledge the fact that we had already seen the original trilogy before we saw the prequel trilogy what did you think of the overall the duel of the fates what did it do anything for you still
0: did you still get goosebumps when darth maul is there and the second fucking blade comes out you're like
1: oh my fucking god it's a double-sided lightsaber I got goosebumps as soon as that double door opens and John Williams' Duel of Fates hits, the hair stood up on my entire body. Like, I I mentioned earlier in the podcast that it feels like the movie is just preamble and build up to this fight, and it, Mm -hmm. it still, it does not disappoint. I haven't seen episode one proper in probably 15 years. I've seen that fight, though, Mm-hmm. on a regular basis.
0: I assume there's a YouTube clip of it where it no. is just that, like, where you don't have to watch all of the Gungan bullshit.
1: No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched it right before we got on to record, Brett. And, and that's the problem is, again, that lightsaber fight pays off 100%, but the desire to stick to hey we have to have multiple battles shown in the third act of a star wars movie it it cripples that fight because yeah watching it all cut together is amazing but then you remember as i watch this movie oh no we've got to cut back and forth between you know jar jar accidentally winning a battle on the battlefield and anakin in the sky using Accidentally
0: winning a battle. Yes.
1: It, it completely <laughs> robs the lightsaber fight of the impact that it should have.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, really, it's the attack on Theed or to receive like, the siege on Theed is actually, like, oh, strategic like, that's how it's going, like, watching even, you know, Queen Amidala and the, the double, what is it, the, uh, where they trick her with the body double, New Gung Ray and all that, like, all of that is, is pretty compelling if you just even if you were just cutting between them going up the palace wall you had the jedi fighting the sith like that's fine but then like you said you have to interject it with the gungan in anakin bullshit where it's just like qui-gon told me to stay in this cockpit r2 and that's what i'm gonna do
1: yeah technically i'm still in the cockpit even though i'm in deep space now
0: Mm mm-hmm yep Let's try a spin maneuver. That's a good trick.
1: I mean, like you said, now this is pod racing, like
0: <laughs> Yeah. Awful. Fucking awful. But yeah, I just I still Darth Maul, that whole the whole battle, the 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 acrobatics of it, it just it brought a whole new element to the Jedi and actually like their battle and then them fighting and even watching the two of them have to try and overpower Darth Maul. I guess, ah God, it is fantastic. Fantastic to watch.
1: And I know technically it's easy because yeah, these are laser swords. You can imagine what they sound like. But the sound design. All the beasts that I could have with Lucas and everything he does with Star Wars, the sound design is always I'm I'm not the type of person that that notices sound design. But in the pod race, as we mentioned earlier, and in this last fight, just yeah. the ferocity of the lightsabers striking each other, it's ten out of ten.
0: Yeah. And to the point with the pod racing, I mean some of the part I remember the pod racing more than the actual visual is the sound go 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 of those engines. Like it's it does stick with you. Did you ever hear about apparently on set they kept having, to, in episode one, they kept having to tell Ewan McGregor to stop doing the lightsaber sounds because he was getting so caught up in it that he was going, like, woo, woo, woo. like we put that in post. Like, you, you have to stop making the lightsaber
1: sounds. No, I did not know that, but it makes complete sense <laughs> because there's a lot of wooden acting performances in this movie and the trilogy. Ewan McGregor is not one of them. Like, I get the mm-hmm. sense that Ewan McGregor... Fulfilled a childhood dream to be in these movies. And it was the
0: same with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson signed on to, he was so excited, he signed on without reading the script. He was like, Yeah, put me in, coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, and something tells me that he might regret that considering the movie that he was in. But <laughs> spoilers for the whole trilogy, but including this movie, so it's relevant. McGregor is the one person who, because I don't think we've talked about it. And I guess we were in the character section when we had some audio difficulties, but McGregor is the one person who feels like he's actually giving a performance. Like there's not a lot of wooden delivery in McGregor, whereas everybody else is talented as they are. Neeson, Natalie Portman, the performances. You
0: thought Ian, Ian uh, McDiarmid. Okay. Uh, yeah. Palpatine. S-
1: yeah. You- I didn't, No, he did a great job. You're right. Okay, I I was to say,
0: he's the only other person I would say that, like, yeah, was on that same level. Like, I felt he did a really good job. It it is, I think the sad part is you have, Hugh McGregor does a great job, but you have Liam Neeson, Natalie Portman, just, (laughs) and you do not use them to their fullest, right? I mean, not using, what
1: about Samuel L. Jackson? This is the only time I can remember him giving this kind of performance.
0: So, did you hear the theory? And this is compl- <laughs> complete theory that apparently the reason that they they cast Samuel L. Jackson was because it was just a direct ploy to try and get um, black people to come see the movie. Because if they were really trying to like cast like you know this mystic kind of you know um, what was it. What am I trying to say here? Like, you could have gone with, like, a, uh, um, oh, my God. I'm blinking on his name. Oh, my God. Morgan Freeman. Like, why wouldn't you go with, like, a Morgan Freeman type? Like, he would fit the idea of what the Jedi were supposed to be more than Samuel L. Jackson. But Samuel L. Jackson was much more popular.
1: Yeah, but... uh,
0: again theory I have uh, there's nothing to, to back this up, but this is some of the theories as to why well, they cast no, Samuel L. Jackson I see
1: what you're saying though because the Jedi are supposed to be even keeled you know no emotion about anything love hate mm-hmm. whatever that's not that's not what Samuel Jackson delivers yeah. normally he's a passionate over the top character he's got great range but he's always going to be intense in one form of the the other mm-hmm. so it's weird to cast him as a jedi especially the way the jedi are depicted in this movie so yeah i i see what that theory means because yeah morgan freeman is the much more nuanced softer delivery yeah mm-hmm. and they catered to samuel L. jackson to the point that he he requested the purple lightsaber and they gave it to him i guess his lightsaber isn't shown though in this movie is it
0: no uh it also apparently has bmf engraved in it which, For bad motherfucker.
1: Yeah, which if I'm <laughs> Sam Jackson, I would absolutely do myself. But yeah, Sam Jackson's a weird casting choice, especially when you have a no offense to George Lucas. He he can't direct actors. I mean, no, I, I don't want to talk about the original franchise because, uh, again, we'll get to that because annually we will do this franchise. But even the original trilogy, other than Harrison Ford, I thought the acting was kind of shitty.
0: He only directed the A uh, New Hope.
1: He didn't do Return of the Jedi.
0: Nope.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: He wrote. He wrote them. But yeah, he only he only directed A New Hope, which is weird. And that was when he came out. He was supposed to do the same thing. When he came out, he announced that he was going to direct the Phantom Menace, and that he was going to have new and upcoming directors direct the next two movies of the prequel trilogy and then i don't know if he felt he had something to prove because of how poorly the phantom menace was received but he opted to go ahead and direct the entire trilogy and george lucas has been um like quoted as saying the phantom the internet is what stopped him from enjoying filmmaking because apparently the phantom menace came out right about the time that like the internet really started to like I guess you could say take off for like the common person like and he would just go on forums and watch people just completely dog on him and tear him apart for the phantom menace and like it really like messed with him and like that's when he was kind of done with like the internet and it really messed with his his desire to make movies
1: and yet he still decided to do episode 2 and episode 3
0: well again if your ego is one of those things where it's like okay now I have to prove to people I can do it and then unfortunately clona <laughs> the close is your next shot like I I, I don't know my only thought is that at that point he was just trying to prove that you he, he can be a director
1: yeah so. I, it's a missed opportunity because I like you said, I like the ideas that he has he he's going for a much more compelling story than let's just reboot the original trilogy but he needs a guiding hand.
0: Mm-hmm. Just there was too much ten pounds of shit in a five pound sack. Is what this movie was. So, I think that about does it for us, for our Sith point inspection. Uh, do you want to do a little blue book, little tag and title?
1: Absolutely. Yippee! <laughs>
0: All righty, so let's go ahead and do Blue Book first. So I'm going to give you the sticker value of this here film. What I want you to do is try and tell me what you think it made U.S. and Canada and what you think it made worldwide. So it is estimated that this movie cost $115 million. How much do you think it made U.S. Canada box office?
1: Um, I'll say... 700 million dollars
0: little over little over 474 million dollars is what it made u.s and canada what did it make worldwide
1: i'll say 900 million
0: 1 billion 27 million dollars
1: Damn! it's so, In fucking 1999.
0: In 99. Now, does that
1: include? And maybe I'm doing too much here, but does that include any re-releases?
0: It, it does not say. I don't think so. It usually does not include the re-release. So I, I so think yeah, that was I mean,
1: incredibly profitable.
0: Its opening weekend, it may U S. candidate made 64 million. Its opening weekend. So I would guess that these are not with re-releases.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. So same year as The Matrix.
0: Yeah, there is also, I guess, there's footage of George Lucas coming onto set, just like completely defeated, because James Cameron's Titanic came out and just fucking crushed the box office, and apparently George Lucas was very upset because he realized that there was no way that Episode One was going to beat that record and was just very upset by it. And I'm like, you're making movies for the wrong reasons. If your thought was episode one is going to be the highest grossing movie at that time, then why stop making the movie. Like, that's You should be making it because you're trying to make the best movie possible, right? So,
1: I mean, credit to George Lucas, though. I, I will defend him in the sense that Titanic is an anomaly that will never exist again. Like, that movie was no. in theaters for... Like, almost two years. So, yeah, I can see why George Lucas would be a little bit pissed because I choose now to revive this beloved franchise and I happen to run into an iceberg.
0: (laughs) Yep. All right, so tag and title. Travis, I'm going to give you one of the original taglines for this movie. I'm then going to give you a tagline I find adjacent to this movie, and then a tagline I created myself. What I need you to do is tell me which one of these is an original tagline for 1999's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Are you ready?
1: Much like Qui-Gon Jinn, I'm meditating and waiting for the blast doors to open.
0: All righty. Here we go. Like my father before me, the saga begins and from the smallest beginnings come the greatest legends.
1: Damn, that's tough. I was hoping you were going to throw out with every journey begins with a single step because <laughs> that's the primary tagline for this movie. Uh, what was the first one?
0: Like my father before me.
1: I'm going to say that's an adjacent film. Okay. Give me the second.
0: I don't remember what order I gave these to you in. Uh, I think it was The Saga Begins.
1: That seems easy. But as I've learned from what you do and how you operate, I'm going to say... That's an official tagline. Not the primary, but an official.
0: Okay. And then how do you feel about from the smallest beginnings come the greatest legends? Or comes, comes the greatest legend.
1: I mean, I guess that would leave that as the one you made up, right?
0: From the smallest beginnings come the greatest legends. There we go. Reading's hard.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I have to lock okay. in that that's the one you made up.
0: Okay. I don't. This is you the got, worst
1: I've felt about this.
0: You got the original tagline, which, if I'm honest, is one of my favorite tag. Like, I feel not one of my favorite taglines of all time, but I feel like it's one of the best taglines for a movie. Like when you connect it in there, like I just the saga begins is so good. I could not get past the saga begins. At one point, I had a longer time ago. And i was like that's fucking stupid <laughs> like um so like my father before me was my was mine playing off of luke skywalker and return of the jedi i'm a jedi knight like my father before me and then from the smallest beginnings come the greatest legends is from the hobbit an unexpected journey from 2012.
1: of course of course
0: Because it was another prequel generated after a franchise went fucking gangbuster. Uh, Some of the other taglines were, At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. Every generation has a legend. Every journey has a first step. Every saga has a beginning. And then the 2000 North American VHS advertising was, One race, one adventure, the one to own. Which I think is a terrible tag.
1: Yeah, no, that could be misconstrued. Oh, that could be misconstrued it's... terribly.
0: Yeah, I was like, "Wow, well, you're really inf- you're, you're really focusing on the pod race."
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, that one. That one not
1: great. Um, uh real quick, yep. can I? This might derail the podcast, but what do the Sith want revenge for? Is, is the that... jedi
0: exterminated them
1: so there used to be more than just two sith
0: yes and at some point at some point the sith had the rule of two but yes at one point there was a whole like the sith and the jedi were competing i guess ideologies around the force and at a certain point the jedi decide there's a jedi sith war and the jedi just wiped him out and decided that they're all about the balance of the force but we're not going to let the other side exist that's balance
1: outside of all the expanded universe stuff and additional media does it does it feel like the the franchise ever did a good job of any of that as far as explaining the think, sith versus jedi i th-
0: uh i think revenge of the sith does it a little bit as palpatine's doing his final screws to swap to to convert anakin but i believe there's a throwaway line in uh, the phantom menace where it says something like the Sith were exterminated hundreds of years ago or something like that, where it's implied that the Jedi destroyed the
1: Sith. Oh, we'll find out in two weeks.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you have a time uh, capsule, time chop for us this week? Do you have a time capsule?
1: Uh, I do. It's a very brief one. Um... You
0: sound so defeated. Well, no. You I, sound like Nuke Gunray finding out two Jedi just showed up.
1: Uh, well, don't get me into Newt Gunray because if I were speaking like Newt Gunray, I would do a uh, a do do
0: anything against nothing against us, Yeah, i <laughs> yeah, sure what the fuck he was supposed to be.
1: Oh, I was not Listen, prepared for that. that
0: wasn't racist. That was nude fucking Gunray, yeah, you're okay? Just,
1: you're just quoting the movie. You're just quoting the movie, but great fucking job. Great fucking job. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my, by, by only time capsule, um, cause it's hard cause we're actually doing a trilogy. So it's hard for me to speak on, you're like, Hey, did you know that you and McGregor starred in two additional Star Wars films post this? <laughs> uh, are you familiar with the actor Dominic West?
0: Mm, no, but I am familiar with Jim West.
1: Desperado. Well, Dominic West, uh, is famous for being uh, Detective McNulty on The Wire, the HBO hit uh, Baltimore crime series. Okay. Uh, He is actually a a guard that when Anakin goes to see Padme before he departs, he is the guard that lets Anakin in. He literally has one line, which is the kid's here to see Padme and lets him in. But it's (laughs) interesting to think that Three years after this movie, he goes from being a complete bit part in Star Wars to being a super famous television actor because he's on the critically acclaimed, amazing series The Wire. So, uh, and so I think that picks was, up because in in the later Star Wars movies, this last trilogy, famous people were lining up to be in it, and uh, yeah, this guy as anything, as anything, and this guy, he had he he was a working actor uh in England um but yeah he literally went to George Lucas and was like I'm I'm the biggest Star Wars fan I will take any role you'll give me and basically he was like you could be palace guard or you can be expendable character here and he was like I'll take whatever
0: <laughs> and again that's it goes back to what I was saying about the people just being gigantic fans Like, if everybody who's reviewing your script is a gigantic fan of Star Wars, it's hard for them to tell you, like, I don't think this is working.
1: Yeah, especially when you're talking to not just a screenwriter. He's the person that created the whole universe.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He definitely had too many yes-men around him. But, all right, good time capsule. That's, yeah. He, He was the... The Star Wars fanboy put me in before the Stan- Star Wars fanboy put me in.
1: Yeah, because I think Daniel so, Craig is a stormtrooper in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Yep.
0: Simon Pegg was yeah, all like in a gigantic prosthetic like alien costume in The Force Awakens. Fuck! In um, was it The Mandalorian? Jason Sudeikis is one of the the scout troopers. Yes. <laughs> and hell taika watiti is the voice of the IG robot in the man yeah it just gets to the point where like anybody's just like oh there's a star wars project just put me in go again I'll, I'll do it whatever it is it's star wars still that endearing even after so many fuck-ups just shows you the power of the of the force so with that i think all we have left is to do some chop shops you ready to do some choppy chop yippee All right, so, Travis, I believe this week you had, was it Oscar?
1: Bait? Uh, was it was at horror. So I kind of oh, went with you had, Oscar. Yeah, uh,
0: did, 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 did you kind of have an Oscar bait horror movie? Is that what you I think you had?
1: Yeah, uh, so yeah. before once we decided on doing this Star Wars trilogy, I already had a little bit of a Oscar bait <laughs> chop shop in mind, but the Wheel of Destiny, were beholden to it. And I got horror, so I basically took the uh, the script I was already working on for Oscar bait and and bolted on some horror. But I will say, as I thought about horror, what I really should have done and the, the low hanging fruit is just modifying this movie slightly, and instead of you know this intricate plot about getting rid of the Jedi we could just have Darth Maul be like a Michael Myers to take out Jedi (laughs) one by one that's what I should have done so I completely Mm. acknowledge that I missed that but here's what I did
0: all right let's hear it
1: so Jar Jar Binks uh instead of being banished himself it was actually his grandfather and his grandfather's young son, which obviously would be Jar Jar's father, that was banished nearly 60 years ago from the Gungan society. His grandfather, that that being Jar Jar, was a governor of the Gungan people who ran for president but was banished by the Gungan people after being called crazy and a heretic. So that's your little bit of background. And Jar Jar Binks has grown up to be a forensic accountant who works for the Trade Federation. (laughs) And he is sent to Naboo to audit their books. Uh, Because the amount of spending that Naboo does doesn't quite equate to their relatively small population. And it turns out that Naboo is still taxing the Gungan people as if they live in prime real estate on Naboo, when actually, following the exit of uh, Jar Jar's ancestors, the The Gungan people kind of fell apart and were divided and ended up getting banished to their underwater reservation. Oh. Naboo is developing the land that formerly belonged to the Gungans, and they're selling it to condo, hotel, mansion developers, primarily to be sold to non-natives of Naboo who visit the lush planet on vacation and have summer homes there. Which, Brett, let me just rewind to the movie real quick Naboo is in a blockade and apparently their people are starving that per- looks like a pretty lush fucking planet you're telling me they don't have mm-hmm. fucking farms on Naboo
0: a lot of that doesn't make sense also have you been watching a certain series by any chance lately uh TV series no 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 okay no? we'll circle back you, to you are. yeah <laughs> You are remarkably close to the plot of Yellowstone right now. Oh,
1: I, I have not you watched are, it.
0: You are remarkably close to the plot of Yellowstone.
1: Okay, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, as a forensic accountant, he's going to notice, Jar Jar's going to notice suspicious records. And uh, it's going to be records pertaining to a large construction works project, you know, 60 years ago. Uh, and many of the items on the purchase order are for things related to underwater construction. The final, the financial documents also list a GPS coordinate uh, for deliveries of supplies. Uh, the lack of Gungans on Naboo combined with Jar Jar's desire to look into his ancestors, leads him to use the GPS coordinates to find uh, the underwater entrance to... Uh, basically the reservation uh, that the Gungans were placed upon. And Jar Jar is going to uh, enter that and find a uh, cave, an underwater cave, and it's going to descend about 30 feet. He's going to swim down, and in the darkness of the cave, Jar Jar notices pairs of glowing eyes watching him before retreating back into the water. Jar Jar is going to be, he's going to swim down and be chased by underwater monstrous creatures. Uh, So that's going to be a little bit of your horror element. Uh, The monsters are nipping at Jar Jar's heels when he spots a glowing light coming from an underwater cave. He swims into the tunnel and after a short swim he finds the source of the light uh, coming from a surfacing pool. So basically he's going to swim underwater into a cave and then come up and then exit the water. But as Jar Jar climbs out of the pool, He's out of breath, hoping the monsters can't also follow him in here. Jar Jar realizes that he was funneled into a trap as he's been captured by a faction of the Gungans. They're outcasts from the Gungan society as they supported Jar Jar's grandfather. So again, I was initially doing some Oscar bait, so we're going to have the Gungans be divided. You're going to have the people that supported Jar Jar's ancestors and then ultimately the Gungans who won the political battle. Okay. I did all of this, by the way, Brett, just because I wanted to see if I could start a movie based on taxes, <laughs> just like George, With the
0: worst character possible, yeah.
1: <laughs> just like George Lucas decided. Yeah, I'm going to make him a fucking forensic accountant. Um, so uh, the, the Gungans that capture Jar Jar are going to realize his lineage. Um, so yada, yada, yada. He's going to kind of convince this subset of Gungans to join the proper Gungans. uh the trade uh the trade federation is going to end up putting the blockade on Naboo because of Jar Jar's disappearance so he's Jar Jar works for the the trade federation and he gets kidnapped so that's the excuse they use to blockade Naboo uh yada 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 the climax of the movie is is going to need another horror element so uh we're going to make Darth Maul even more menacing uh I was thinking about Rogue One, which maybe we'll get to, but the way that mm-hmm. they made Darth Vader a horror character at the end of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Again, this is what I should have done all along. Is uh, instead of the droid army being controlled by a satellite in space, Palpatine, because he's been pulling the strings to, to banish the Gungans, uh, the droid controls are going to be underwater. And, uh Yeah. Darth Maul is going to be a horror character that fucks shit up and kills all of the Gungans <laughs> except for uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Jar Jar, and then that's going to lead to the the, the lightsaber fight. So, yeah, I, I petered out there, but you, you saw what I was going for. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, taxes, uh, Gungans, and uh, Darth Maul killing people. Forensic
1: accountant, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, he needs a—he's gonna need a different kind of forensics. <laughs> if you know what I saying, Darth Maul gets them. Give him some robot legs. There you go. God, could you imagine Jar Jar with robot legs? Would make him better or worse? I don't know.
1: I feel so bad for the actor who betrayed Jar Jar. By the way, because yeah, I'm sure I do he too. thought that was gonna be a breakthrough role for him. And Christ,
0: he quit acting because of it.
1: Yeah. But anyway, uh, what did you get this week on Chop Chop?
0: Uh, I got family-friendly.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Misa gonna like this! <laughs> so, I had two directions I could go with this, as far as I was concerned in my head, is I could either try and make it a family-friendly, more, even more family-friendly, in the Star Wars universe, or I could abandon that it was a Star Wars movie and try and use these Star Wars characters and maybe elements... And make a movie outside of Star Wars. And I decided to go with the first one. Uh, I couldn't find, think of a way to kind of fake them both work. So here we go. I decided to stay. Try and make this as much still Star Wars as possible. Um, I'm not going to tell you what my inspiration was. And we'll see if we get to the end. If you, if you can figure it out. So the movie starts with a ship flying through space. As all Star Wars movies do. Towards a familiar planet tatooine the jedi council has felt a strange force presence on the planet and qui-gon jinn and his padawan obi-wan kenobi have been sent to investigate as they're flying in yoda is going to appear on a holocall, call and he's going to be saying that he's had a vision of a boy but he doesn't know much more information than that so like they don't have a lot to go off of other than the fact that tatooine's pretty desolate there's not a lot to look for there um and that th- there's some boy in this in this vision we're going to cut to Naboo, a planet rich with resources and wealth, right? And we're going to cut to the palace where a princess, Padme Amidala, is in a heated exchange with her father, all right? And vowing to run away before she'll marry any of this scum and villainy that's been presented to her, all right? So she's no longer, she's not queen. That was one of the things I thought was weird. Like, I feel like they keep talking about a democracy, but like... Queen Amadala was voted queen. I'm like, I don't think that's how queens and kings work, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but the Jedi introduced themselves. Uh, yep, that was not supposed to be there. So we're going to cut that line. Um, so among these possible suitors is a count whom was very close friends with Senator Palpatine, a close friend and advisor of Mr. Amidala, King Amadala, Padme's father. So Padme Amidala is not going to have it. She's not a fan of any of the people that have been brought to her. She's getting a lot of pressure to be married. So she's going to wind up sneaking aboard like a civilian ship, not knowing where it's going, just trying to get away, right? A little bit of teen rebellion here. Um, When her father finds out that she's missing, Palpatine volunteers to find her at whatever cost. And this is when we're going to introduce his apprentice, Darth Maul. So they'll have a sidebar where Maul is instructed to bring back the girl alive, again, at any cost. They need her alive. Back on Tatooine, the Jedi are looking for the boy when they are informed that Princess Amidala has stuck aboard a civilian ship and should be somewhere on the planet. They know that she's landed on Tatooine to keep an eye out for her. Because they're peacekeepers, so, you know, they would they would be told to, to look out for that. Because it's, you know... Naboo is one of 135 different planets that needs help. Um, While exploring the city streets, Padme bumps into Sebulba, uh, a very angry Doug, when a young boy intervenes Anakin. He's a scavenger and an orphan, but he offers to help Padme because he can tell that she isn't a local and she doesn't really belong here, right? He's got a kind heart. So after a while, we'll see the two kind of connecting Obi-Wan is going to notice Padme on the streets, and he's going to pursue the two of them. Now, Obi-Wan is going to wind up losing them. They're going to, you know, running through the streets, getting away. But he doesn't understand why. He's a Jedi, right? He should be able to sense them. He should be able to follow the, the, Finding a stranded princess with, a, with a, a scavenger should not be any hard work for a Jedi. So when he tells Qui-Gon this, Qui-Gon is convinced that there's something out of the or- normal here, almost like there's something clouding their Force sensitivity around this boy. So Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are able to track the two down again, but before they can get them, like they're having a conversation. Brett, all of a sudden, what?
1: Can I can I throw out a hint as to what I think this might be? Hmm? Would you call Anakin a riffraff or a street rat? You
0: might you might call him a street rat, you know? Someone might call that. him a street I don't rat. Buy that.
1: Go ahead. Continue. <laughs>
0: There might have been some Aladdin elements taken, all right? Used, borrowed, I don't know, whatever the fuck you want to say. It's
1: jazz, you know. All right.
0: <laughs> so, I, Obi-Wan and, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan Kenobi are able to track down the two again, but they are confronted by Darth Maul, who is able to defeat them quickly because he has the element of surprise, and he's a powerful Sith Lord, right? Before Maul can kill them, Anakin shouts and manages to force-push Maul enough to prevent him from striking down the Jedi. Maul now turns his attention to Anakin when Padme stops him and agrees to go with him if he spares Anakin. He disengages and takes the princess back, all right? Anakin goes to help Qui-Gon, now that Darth Maul is left. After watching his display of power, Qui-Gon asks if Anakin has had any kind of Jedi training or anything like that, and Anakin says, that you know, he's only heard of Jedi's from scoundrels and pilots that come through Mos Espa. Which at this point, Qui Gon is now convinced that he is the Force presence that they have actually been looking for on Tatooine, and he brings them with them. Back on Naboo, Am- or Padme is imprisoned by Maul. Maul hollow calls Palpatine, where he tells them of the Jedi and the boy on Tatooine. Palpatine is visibly concerned and curious, though, about the boy but tells Maul to follow through with the plan. Shortly after, guards attack Maul's stronghold, where he's holding Amidala. He flees, and Palpatine shows up and saves the princess. After saving her, Amid- or King Amidala insists that she has to meet and marry Palpatine's count friend immediately and stop this foolishness. Like, he's, she's now been kidnapped. There's too much danger. Like, she's going to have, like, Palpatine is his advisor. Like, enough of this. Like, if Palpatine says this count... You know, a uh, bloke is good. You're going to have to marry him, right? So the Jedi are notified by the council, or the Jedi, the Jedi, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, notify the council of the boy and the Sith Warrior and are informed that the princess has already been saved back on Naboo. They feel that the disturbance in the force. Um, they can feel that there's a disturbance in the force. And they also think it's kind of a coincidence that the Sith Warrior managed to return amadala back to naboo and fled so easily when the guards attacked after being able to take on two jedi so easily so they instruct qui-gon and obi-wan to pause this marriage sell whatever is going on and find out what is actually happening back on naboo the ceremony planning has already started they're really trying to speed you know uh green light and speed up this this marriage the jedi land they rush to go and find padme to, and king Amidala to pause the marriage to find out what's going on when they are once again confronted by darth maul darth maul and the two jedi start a battle and anakin rushes into the rehearsal where he can hear the priest hear if anyone has reason these two should not be wed and then shouts palpatine is standing in for the count because the count hasn't arrived again this is a rehearsal not the actual ceremony so the count hasn't arrived yet Seeing that Padme has feelings for Anakin, and he can sense the Force strength in Anakin, Palpatine stops the proceedings. He sees that there's an advantage to having Padme and Anakin fall in love, and it says he cannot stand in the way of love. And then he'll simply contact the Count and tell him that, you know, the wedding's off, that they're, they're not going to do this. And he's going to have that kind of shitting grin that he always has. Um, meanwhile, the Jedi are fighting Maul when Qui-Gon is defeated. In his rage, Obi-Wan overpowers Maul and cuts his legs off. All right, not in half, just cuts his legs off. While trying to question Maul, uh, Maul force pushes himself away from Obi-Wan and into like a trash tube, you know, some kind of tubing that's always in Star Wars. Why are there trash holes always so big, right? I've never, always gigantic. Um, But I digress. Um... So Obi-Wan rushes back over to Qui-Gon, where Qui-Gon pleads with him to watch over the boy and train him at any cost, that he is the chosen one and he will bring balance to the Force. The movie ends with Padme and Anakin saying their goodbyes. King Amidala has decided that he is not going to pressure Padme into marriage and Anakin is to be trained as a Jedi Knight. The two vow to see each other again as the movie pans up to the sky and then to the stars. End credits mid credit scene all right <laughs> after the palpatine pulls up a hollow call and it is count dooku his his count friend right he tells him that their plan has changed but soon the jedi will fall and in a bonus post credit scene we see darth maul pulling himself out of the trash heap we hard cut to his enraged yellow eyes just staring into the screen and then hard cut to black (laughs) so that is how i turned i basically went the disney princess route to make this family friendly well and then interject so um as me and Travis were talking pre-show, we realized this is the first time we're actually doing a true trilogy as a trilogy. So it seems like the audience, I think we kind of agreed to it, we're going to have to continue. The The genre might change, but we're going to have to continue these stories. So obviously... Darth Maul, if you've seen the next two Star Wars movies... Or we, Darth Maul is dead, so somehow I'm going to have to incorporate Darth Maul into the next two movies, because obviously I didn't kill him off like happened in this movie. So uh, I look forward to seeing Jar Jar...
1: Yeah, he's going to have to continue <laughs> forensic his account- forensic accountant career.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, this will be the first time I know Travis has planted those seeds with a couple other episodes, but this is gonna be the first time I think both of us have actually created a a chop shop trilogy. So I look forward to seeing how that that pans out.
1: I mean, listen, as you mentioned in your your chop shop, Count Dooku, I mean, I can't think of a, a person who would want to work with an accountant more than a Count <laughs> So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. <laughs> Let's see what the Wheel of Destiny throws me that uh that I god damn it. <laughs> Had I known we were gonna have this brilliant idea of continuing the trilogy, maybe I wouldn't have gone with the forensic accountant storyline, but mm-hmm. hey, I love a good challenge.
0: Yeah. So we will see where these go. Um yeah, because there's a lot more Senate shit that I didn't bring up in my <laughs> I'm going to have to work around. There's a lot more politics <laughs> that I'm going to have to find a way to avoid.
1: Also, let me point out the fact that I chose Jar Jar Binks as being my my main character. And uh, after the, the terrible response to Jar Jar Binks, he technically is in the next two movies. But as I recall, he is greatly minimized. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah he, i don't <laughs> think he
1: speaks in episode three not to get too far ahead of ourselves but
0: uh no i don't he definitely speaks in a. Ooh, you're right he no he does he does because he has to be the one he's the one <laughs> who votes for uh palpatine to become emperor
1: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: he's the simple-minded <laughs> they don't even use jedi mind tricks on him and they're able to trick him to do exactly what they want
1: <laughs> Oh, I've really painted myself into a corner, but uh,
0: I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see where in, in episode two, um, Qui-Gon wakes up from a terrible dream that he had in episode four about a forensic accountant. Yoda's vision of a terrible forensic accountant. Oh, boy. Listen, you can get yourself out of this hole, depending on how cheesy you want to be.
1: I'll find a way. I'll find a way, Brett. There's always a bigger fish.
0: Some some might find unnatural.
1: <laughs> well, hey, that's saved for episode three's review. All right.
0: <laughs> Alrighty. I don't know if we need. To, uh, why not? It's what we always do. Final judgments. Um, it's still a Star Wars movie for me. I will still continue to watch this movie into the future. It's not going to be the first one I pick, but. You know, I periodically love to watch the entire, you know, prequel and original trilogy. So I'll continue to watch those six movies every once in a while, uh, you know, when I decide to go and have a Star Wars marathon.
1: Um, I think this movie suffers from the fact that in 99, it was a great technological advancement. Like, you it's hard to appreciate how incredible the visuals were of this movie because this kind of raised the bar, and then it's continued to be raised ever since. So a lot of so, go ahead. Sorry,
0: is it distracting how good Yoda looks and how bad the droids look? Because they—that's the only modern CG—is where they CG'd over puppet Yoda, but they didn't update anything else.
1: You're right, you're right. Yoda Yoda looks again. It's the Yoda from a movie that comes out 7 years later. So, but even even the droids in 99 it's it's if you did, if you weren't there, it's hard to put it into context how impressive the visuals were. The problem is when you're making these kind of quote-unquote ground groundbreaking visual movies, you tend to forget about the story because the selling point is the technology. But the issue with that is if you revisit that movie 20 years later, the visuals seem pedestrian. And now you're just looking at the acting and the performances and they're they're shit in this movie. Um, but here's, here's the way I want to do this, Brett. Here's the way I'm going to do it. This is episode one. God willing, we'll do all nine installments. Maybe some side stories with Rogue One. This is the number one Star Wars movie. As of right now, because it's the only one we reviewed. Uh, I don't think it's great. I like this. I don't think it's great. But we'll see if episode two. We'll see if episode two is better or worse than this. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh the Darth Maul fight. Watch it on YouTube. Other than that, you're not missing much, but again, it's my number one Star Wars movie because it's the first one we've watched technically in in, in this uh, in this trilogy and then eventually the whole nine episode saga.
0: I I like that. That that's a good way to look at this. So I, I will probably follow the same suit. It will just continue to rank out Star Wars movies as we review them. And put them on the scale of Star Wars, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, all right. Well, we hope to see you back next week for episode two as we count down to May the 4th. And uh, Travis, any final words? Uh, Misa, gonna uh, going to upload the
1: podcast. I said it to you, Brett. Yippee. I
0: mean if you're doing this jar jar I assume I'm not getting the audio
1: <laughs> No Brett miraculously I'll uh, I'll set my kitchen on fire um I'll put my cat <laughs> in grave danger but somehow I'll be able to upload it and this will be a victory for the gungan people
0: So uh, just as a final as a final send off here did you ever hear the theory that somebody had that jar jar Because it's actually pretty awesome the way that they put together because George Lucas has talked about the Star Wars is supposed to be like it's a they repeat, right? It's it's almost like music where it follows the same rhythm. So the theory was that Jar Jar Binks was actually supposed to be like the Sith Yoda. And that because people had such a visceral response to Jar Jar that George Lucas changed his plan and altered what he was trying to do that yet jar jar was going to wind up being because yoda was supposed to be the meek thing to show how grand the force was that it didn't matter how big you were or age or anything like that that the force was strong and how you could wield it that jar jar was going to wind up being the same thing that jar jar was perceived as this weak clumsy idiot and that ultimately what he would wind up being was the the ultimate sith lord pulling all of the strings even behind palpatine (laughs) <laughs> yeah i am not doing it justice you should look it up it's a, it's a pretty I've, pretty cool write-up what they've come up with
1: i've heard yeah i've never read the article blow by blow i've heard that yeah there's a way that you could view the trilogy that jar jar is ultimately the big bad but i i i, I like that as a fan theory no offense to George Lucas, it doesn't seem like he's putting that amount of thought and care into no. this. In also, fact, I've he heard is, he that he be... was going through a divorce or went through a divorce prior to this and lost a lot of fucking money and decided what's the best way to replenish my bank account? It's to do a Star Wars trilogy. But I don't, I don't want to get us into slander territory.
0: Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Right? Allegedly.
1: That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Alrighty. Well, we'll see you next week where we do a time jump to Anakin being an angsty teenager.
1: And uh, really wants to fuck Natalie Portman, who seemed like she was 10 years older than Anakin in this movie. I don't think we touched on that, but that was really uncomfortable knowing I'll where all this is care going for
0: you. Anakin. I'll always, I'll always care for you, Anakin, because I met you 24 hours ago and you won me the parts so that I could get off this planet. If that's not love, I don't know what it is. Bye. poor snippet. <laughs> we are your Cinemechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. And today we'll be starting the first movie in our first annual Star Wars trilogy review leading up to may the be the fourth may the fourth be with you
1: this is where i remember i cut that line
0: well yeah that was i thought yeah
1: so you see then i went and then i I just went oh yeah oh i thought you were gonna make a sound for the winds my bad
0: did you hear did you not hear it i went
1: (sighs) oh no i did not hear that it didn't come through oh
0: so we might need to turn video off (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, I I wouldn't want to turn video off just for that particular.
0: Okay, so we'll take it from the wince.
1: Okay, so you're about to wince. God damn it, I did just wince. No, no, I wasn't looking at the video. I mean, you got to wince louder into the mic, Brett. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Wince. (laughs) Okay, say wince one more time. Wince. I'm telling you, I don't think the wince. I don't think it just it don't it, it doesn't translate to audio. I I think we're it, fine. It might
0: not come over it. Honestly, Discord might be thinking it's static or something like that, and not be giving it to you. It's definitely recording on my side though, and that's all that matters. Okay, good, good. So it's, I'm just I'm I'm a mess already. It's a
1: stupid fucking plot, Brett. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault.